Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail, and we are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website, womenover70.com, where you can access all the episodes. We also invite you to join our monthly podcast club. And we welcome speaking to your organization or group on Aging Reimagined. If women aging is a market you would like to reach, consider sponsoring an episode. Finally, if you are an author with a book about women, check out our book promotion opportunity. And today we're really happy to be talking with Shirley Holm. Shirley Holm recently had her 70th birthday, and she says she's happy to be part of reimagining aging. Shirley is a 60-plus-year resident of Minnesota and who is carving out her later decades in California and now San Francisco. Shirley and I have been friends for over 45 years since working together at the University of Minnesota. Education has been an important influence in Shirley's own life, and she devoted 15 years as a teacher and administrative leader in the St. Paul Public Schools. When her husband died at age 40, Shirley raised two children on her own. She says her anchors in life have been family, friends, education, and being active in things that matter. She's a lifelong lover of nature, people, beauty, road trips, and apparently adventure challenges. Her quest is to experience, not just visit, all of the national parks, some more than once. And Shirley's primed to discover what comes next in her series of life adventures. So welcome, Shirley, to Women Over 70. I'm very happy to be here, Catherine and Gail. Thank you. <laughs> Good. So Shirley, in the past year or so, you've experienced a pandemic, retiring, moving to a new city, and there's probably more things than that. But so let's just take a snapshot of where you are right now. Living in San Francisco, we just learned two and a half blocks from Golden Gate Park. <laughs> So what brought you to California and then to San Francisco? And tell us about, give us a snapshot of Shirley Holm in the here and now. Okay, Shirley Holm in the first few weeks of um, over 70, which, <laughs> is, which is great. I, I love it. I think I was kind of dreading it, but I no longer am. I, I, yeah, I think it's just great. I mean, I am this last year, not only was there the pandemic, but, um, you know, I, I sold my house in Minnesota that I had for 35 years that I loved in the Macroland area right by the Mississippi River that had enormous um, memories with it, both sad and very happy. Um, bought a duplex here in San Francisco with my son and daughter-in-law and almost two-year-old grandbaby, um, just about a 10-minute drive from my daughter with the best little golden retriever ever. Um, and it's just been, yeah, we, you know, what brought me to California originally was 10 years ago uh, after 
I think being pretty burned out by public school education, decide, I decided I would take a one year leave of absence, see what it was like not to have the tremendous responsibilities and constant feeling of being inadequate in my job because the needs were so great. Um, and I thought I'd take a year leave of absence with my longtime partner who is also an educator and he took a job in Chico, California. So I thought I'll take a year off, get rejuvenated, go back to Minnesota, jump right back into the schools. Uh, and that never happened. <laughs> so why not? It was, you know, to experience a winter here in California in Northern California in particular, where I could have a garden year round where every weekend we could go to ex go explore the North coast or take a week and go down to death Valley. Um, yeah, I just, I, I went back to Minnesota to retire from that teaching job. And, you know, the, I think the women over 70 guidelines, one of them, that whole reinvention, I just mm. kind of reinvented myself and shockingly so, because I had no intention of doing that. Um, so what brought me to California, I think, was, well, Mark's, Mark was the lead. He really wanted to come to start a new job. I just wanted a change. Uh, started a new incarnation of my career in Chico, which was tremendously valuable. Uh, and then after eight years of that, we both truly retired and decided we needed a kind of a new adventure. I couldn't tolerate the extreme heat in Chico in the summertime. The, mm -hmm. I mean, it's triple digits for mm. weeks on end. Um, and we really wanted to find a be close to family, find a place that was close to an airport with good health care and just lots and lots of things to explore. And San Francisco is really that. And that's what I think we're, well, then we moved to San Francisco and the pandemic hit. So <laughs> it's been a little less exciting in the ways that we thought it would be, but it is really great. And things are, I think, are look, looking up now. Is that correct? Is you're, you, um, you're getting out, you're able to get out more and yep, and yep. enjoy the surroundings and mm -hmm. take those road trips that you love so much. Yep. And I did a road trip, pretty good road. The nice thing about um, loving being outside is at least during the pandemic, you could, if the weather allowed it, which, it, you know, I felt really bad for people in Minnesota because you couldn't be outside here. You know, I walked almost every day, took a road trip. Um, yeah, but now things are opening up. We are not just two and a half blocks from Golden Gate Park, but maybe a 15 minute walk to the De Young Museum. Um, mm. And they're all opening up. Restaurants are opening up. There are a lot of outside restaurants. So yeah, it's things are definitely looking up. <laughs> That's wonderful. So let's go back and kind of go way back in time. And if you give us a glimpse into your growing up years and then some major choices, decisions you made as a younger, younger adult. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the lifelong Minnesotan is really truly in my blood. Um, my, my parents, I have, well, I, I had three siblings. My brother has since died. Um, and we lived in many different parts of St. Paul from oh, I was, when I was born, we lived in what were called the war, um, the war housing huts, the Quonset huts. We moved around various huts. <laughs> That's all that we always call them. And then we moved to McDonough Housing Projects right after it, it started, which was a great experience for me just to be 
with so many kids and playgrounds nearby. Um, and then as a, um, by the time I was in high school, we moved out of the projects because my dad made too much money at some ridiculously low amount. But so we moved to the east side. Uh, and my my years in the projects, I think, were kind of formative for me because I I enjoyed them. I had, like I said, a lot of friends. And only as I got older did I realize that was that you know we were there because we had so little money. Um, and um, you know, I think one of my choices somehow early on, the schools really had an impact on me because I remember even as a very young kid thinking I would go to college, um, even though that wasn't something that was very common in my family for sure. Um, uh, so that I think was one of those big choices or just an inspiration or something that I was aspiring to. And I always knew that I would like to teach in the schools, not just to kind of be where I think I found some strength. Um, and then, well, Catherine, you'll remember, you know, go, I worked at the University of Minnesota for 20 years, and that was such a time for me to grow. Because uh, I 20 years, I, surely? 20 years, yep. 70, 73 to 90, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I sadly, I marked these things by Rob's, my husband's illnesses and death, and it was mm -hmm. 94 when he died, so... Um, but those were great growth years for me at the University of Minnesota. I think that, again, seeing what education could do, um, mm -hmm. and it did it for me. I mean, I, it took me, you know, I think seven years to finish my undergraduate degree, 10 years to finish my master's degree, but I just persisted through it. Um, and then finally being able to um, teach kids teach kids who had similar backgrounds to me. I think that was really important to me so that I could, I could say, look, yeah, you know, you don't have a lot of resources. Maybe you don't even have a family that's prone to supporting, you know, education or even very much in a school involvement, but you can still do it. And I, I, I feel very happy with my life and look what I've been able to accomplish a lot because of education. And what were you teaching? Uh, English. And I taught English. Most of my years were junior high school, um, teaching seventh and eighth graders. And I loved it. I mean, some people say, <laughs> Oh, my God, how can you do it? Mm -hmm. um, I loved it because they are, they are a group that by and large, if they think that they say it, there's no hidden agenda. Um, and you can have a great impact. Uh, and I did teach the whole range of kids at, at that time, we would call the, the advanced classes, I suppose, were called challenge classes and tended, you know, now I see very clearly how racially um, discriminatory they were because the upper level classes had mostly white kids from fairly privileged families with, you know, really school, um, they, they knew how to do school. Uh, and then I taught the what we called the humanities and the regular classes. And those were kids who were in much greater need. Um, and I loved those classes. I mean, I loved them all. I really, I think education and teaching was, was really next to parenting the best thing that happened in my life. Um, and then I went on and did some high school. And then I did a short stint as a assistant principal. And then I did a lot of coaching, working with young, young, well, and more experienced teachers too. And that also was just 
you know, I feel very, very fortunate to have had those experiences. Yes. And, and so did you, is that what you did in Chico also was to work with younger teachers? I did, although I didn't really know. I mean, that first year I was committed to not just to not feeling so burdened by all these things I should do. I mean, I really thought it was a sabbatical year. I didn't know at first that it was going to turn out to be a permanent change. Um, so the first year I just, I read whenever I wanted to. I learned how to cook. I rode my bike everywhere. I took trips. But about, um, I'd say sometime in that fall, I thought I really had this visceral sense of where is my classroom? Mm. You know, what am I doing? And mm-hmm. um, and that was unsettling for me. And so in January, I just started looking around. I mean, I was totally open to working at a garden store, becoming a master gardener. I did get a commit. I got a, a garden plot um, and just doing a whole lot of different things. But one thing I did do was apply at Chico State as an instructor. I mean, I don't know. I just thought, well, why not? Um, and I got a call from Chico State um, the education department asking me if I would be interested in supervising student teachers mm-hmm. in high schools, in the junior high schools and the high schools. And so I didn't start until the next year. Uh, and then I only worked, well, I worked part-time, although one semester I had 15 different student teachers in what, 12 different schools in seven different towns. I drove all over Northern California into these little rural towns mm-hmm. um, and I loved it. It was <laughs> such a such a great way to a, a, a crown on my teaching career to be able to mm. work with all those young teachers. It doesn't sound very part time to me. <laughs> that, that that semester was not. <laughs> you know, Shirley, I, I, I'm I'm curious. Um, how old were your children when your husband passed away? They were six and nine. Wow. So you had your hands full. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah, I think, you know, if when I think about major life transitions, or I guess you can't call that a decision for sure or a choice, but on the other hand, it was um, losing your partner that young and with such young children. I think it's, I mean, it, it has had, definitely it's set a direction in my life. Um, you know, I knew, I knew, I remember the, the day that we, we buried his ashes. It was like, this is, we are now this new family. This, mm-hmm. you know, and this was going to be my focus, you know, for, well, I mean, it always would have, but it certainly is a different one. You are truly the single parent. Um, but it, but it also was, I knew I needed to keep myself uh, for their sake and for my own. I needed to keep myself what thriving. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was a, a this one, one of the sad things is I don't have a very good memory of some of those years. I think I, mm-hmm. I was so shot in shock for so long that, um, I know that I lived in the moment. Maybe that's why I'm so committed to this idea of appreciate what you have in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because I think, I'm sure I did do that then, but there's kind of some big blind spots in my background. Yeah. How old were you at that time? I was 43. 
Yeah, way, way too young for both of you. Wow. Yeah. Although I think that, you know, I think death, my mother died when I was 28. Um, I had a, a, a very good friend who, Catherine, I rem you, you remember Debbie, right? Oh, we played softball together. Yes. Well, so I had another, we had another very good friend who died very, um, well, was a total surprise. She had an, a tumor in the middle of her brain and she'd had really bad headaches for her whole life, but she died. We were supposed to, we were supposed to play racquetball and she said, no, I have a headache. I have to go home. So she went home and she was dead the next morning. Um, so I think, and then Rob, so I think those things made me realize, um, you know, you, there are no guarantees. <laughs> we very well better have our priorities kind of in place and really appreciate what we have and enjoy things. And, um, and you know, for me, that really was making sure my children were doing well, making sure that I had the supports that I needed, which is why I think family and friends have been, I don't know what I would have done without support systems like that. Mm -hmm. It, it I, I knew you during those years, and um, I just always kind of uh, marveled at how you were able to, to put your full attention on your children, and they've really turned out well, I must say, and, uh, and also to keep learning and growing yourself. And, and so you, part of that is that you seem to have such a natural curiosity about things and a kind of a, I think a strong sense of adventure. And you've talked about some influences on that, but are there, a, a, what, what drives that do you think your curiosity and adventure? I think that's a really good question, Catherine. You, and we've talked about that in the last couple of days and I don't have a, I, I don't know. Um, I, I can always remember having questions and that that always, what, um, what, it was, it's, it's more fun. It's more interesting. Maybe I get bored too easily. So I just have to think about things. And um, it, it's odd though, because I also have a fairly significant anxiety. Um, and maybe it's one way to offset that anxiety is to really push myself because mm -hmm. adventure stuff is, I mean, it, it, I know, you know, we can, you know, we can talk about, uh, I have this quest to see all the national parks uh, mm -hmm. and it's, it wasn't clear to me that it was going to be a quest until I was, you know, quite after, until I'd seen about half of them. And then it was like, oh, okay, this is a, a doable feat to see. I think now we're up to 63 of them. Um, but I think it was a way for me to address some of my own anxieties, like to, to go to the Arctic was People are always impressed. Oh, you went to the Arctic, and it's it in in some ways it's impressive, although in other ways it's really not. And that's the um, you know because I I think one of the ways for me to deal with my need for um, adventure challenges to really think about why not what what are the barriers, and especially mm -hmm. losing so many people early in my life, it's like well what are the what are the true barriers to doing things mm -hmm. that are you know, you want to do, they're exciting, they're, you can learn from. Um, and, you know, the biggest challenge for going to the Arctic was it was expensive. I was like, okay, do I want to put that money towards, um, towards that? And I did. 
But other than that, uh, oh, anybody who wants to do that kind of thing, if they have the money, can do it. Um, so I don't. I don't think that really answers the question. Major influences, and I maybe. Well, I think, yeah, I think you have. I think you have. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, yeah. Um, so you talk about going to the Arctic and living. I mean, I've heard you talk about sleeping out for sleeping out in the in the wild in the open for what two weeks or more. It was two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. And with a guide, which yep. we want to emphasize with a guide. Mm -hmm. um, so that certainly was a, a, a highlight. But what is it about exploring the national parks? And, and you're not talking about I'm just going to pop in and see the Grand Canyon in the afternoon <laughs> and then go on to the next thing. So what is it about about that exploration that that appeals to you so much? Um. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that because I don't want to be, there is actually a group of people out there in the world that are box checkers. They want to take the mm -hmm. national parks, they they take a, a, a little plane, they drop down into the Arctic, they walk two steps, they check it off, they leave. And that, <laughs> that is not me. I just, I want to, you know, I think part of it is I am not a very um, patriotic, I suppose, or person in this kind of some of the more traditional senses, but I think the national parks are one of our, they're just a treasure. They're something that America has done well. We have such great um, national, you know, whether it's the canyons or the deserts or the mountains or the, the you know, uh, the sand dunes. And um, it's my way of appreciating them. And so I think the, um, you know, the the remoteness of the Arctic is really what I liked. Mm -hmm. That sense that I really did have a sense a few times that I could have been the first person ever to step on. They're called the tussocks, the, the tundra. Mm -hmm. The formation on the ground are called tussocks. Um, and, you know, maybe not. Maybe I wasn't. I mean, likely I wasn't. Well, I don't know, though. But see, you know, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> And that's so exciting to me, but just to have that 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 sense of how small I am in the world and how um, overwhelmingly beautiful and regenerative those that place was. Um, and I feel that like I love the canyon lands. I've been to the Utah Canyon lands quite a few times, not just the there is a national park called the Canyon Lands, but I mean, also Arches and Bryce and um, Capitol Reef and parts of Utah where you can just look forever and see the red rock. And, mm. you know, <laughs> it has a way of putting things like the fact that I haven't paid my bills this month in, into the proper perspective, which is it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I like that perspective. <laughs> so, Shirley, you said at the beginning of our conversation that you hey, turning 70 is not so bad after all. So uh, what what are, how do you think about aging now that you're entering this new decade? Um, I really do. One of the things I love about the women over 70 is, you know, we have a lot of, I know it seems so cliche, I should say we have all this wisdom, but at minimum, we have a lot of years that we, we can put to use. 
mm-hmm. you know, even with, I, I love, I, I'm so happy to live, a, you know, in a duplex with my son and daughter-in-law and the grandbaby. And I love the fact that he's now, he's turning two and he's really precocious. So he's like into the terrible twos early. Um, <laughs> and so when he has his little tantrums and stuff, you know, all I can do is laugh. Uh, <laughs> Because yeah, it's hard on the parents. I remember that. And you think, you know, what causes it? What am I doing wrong? Blah, 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 blah. But the wisdom of age is, well, yeah, he's having a tantrum. <laughs> he feels strongly that he doesn't want to have his shoes on right now. <laughs> so I think that kind of thing. And then more kind of more broadly, um, you know, it's time for, you know, the whole hey boomer thing, you know, that we're responsible for a lot of bad things in the world, which probably is true, but we can also give back. So for me, it is what can I do to continue or to give back and the racial, um, the racial you know, justice stuff that's going on right now has me motivated to now that the pandemic is lifting, you know, I, I have had, I would like to continue to develop a more diverse social group. I'd like to be involved in my community. I'd like to, well, I'd really like to go back into the schools here mm-hmm. uh, and not just the schools that are already, you know, have resources, but the schools that need that, where I can do something. And I don't really care what it is, whatever they think. And if I feel like I can be helpful, that's the most important thing. I don't want to be you know, another, a burden, but if mm-hmm. I can be helpful, maybe it's just working with small groups of students or whatever. I don't know, but that's, I, and I think it's all, yes, there are certainly limitations physical now taking care of the grandbaby for two weeks was, oh my God, exhausting. Um, you know, it's, and there are going to be more and more physical challenges, but I have the luxury of having good health care, And so, you know, We'll do what we can. That's what I think. Um, so that's what I'm hoping the new decade has to bring. So uh, do, if you don't mind talking about it for a moment, you've been, I know that you've been dealing with a chronic condition. Yes. And how, how, what, how is that affecting your life? So five years ago, I was diagnosed with a blood cancer. Um, and it caused me to be, well, really terrified for quite a while until I, as usual for me, and I think for other people, getting information really helped, but it took quite a while to get a lot of the information, a lot of, you know, I had to do bone marrow tests and um, even getting the diagnosis was tough. Mm. Um, And then I got a second opinion at Mayo. And the thing that kind of slapped some sense into me was when the Mayo doctor there said, look, if you're going to get a cancer, this is the one to get. <laughs> oh. So I thought, okay, so it's, it's manageable. I mean, it's, it has to be that it's, it takes a lot of attention and, um, and I'm doing that. So um, it's, and I think that's the deal for me now is we, we just, I just need to keep doing things and know that there will be some barriers that will come in my way. And if there's, something I can do about those barriers. If there's some way of addressing it, then I will. And there's always going to be some way of addressing it, even if it's mm-hmm. you know, the worst news. Well, you, I think it's continue to look at what I can do versus what I can't do. It's mm-hmm. a great attitude. You, you exude that kind of attitude, Shirley. You, you really do. You are always, uh, you know, in our, podcast club meetings and and all you are just uh, so upbeat 
and you you seem to face life very pragmatically and and not let it get you down just keep keep on moving and doing the things that you love yeah well thank you gail and the podcast club has been great because i the timing was perfect for me i was in a new city we were in a pandemic and um you know i all these plans i had to explore the city and travel and it was like and and didn't and i really need friends <clears throat> and the podcast club gave me friends and you and Catherine, both of you, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to do that. So thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> we look forward to continuing that with you. Um, anything else, Shirley, that in terms of as you're, you're, as you kind of keep looking forward, what are you looking forward to? Anything else besides, beyond what you've already talked about? Um, well, the, the most immediate thing is we're um, in two weeks, we're headed back to Minnesota for most of the month of July. Um, I'm happy to do that. Mark's son, Max, is getting married. And as you know, Catherine, I get to spend a little time with you in Chicago. Um, I'm going back to New York for a week in the middle of July to see the East Coast family because I just haven't seen them in too long. So that's Rob's family, correct? Rob's family, yep. And your family, of course. They have. They've become my family. Um, and, you know, I just, I guess the only thing is just the uh, ongoing sense of gratitude that I have for all the things that I have and we have together. And we just, just need to keep moving. Well, when I you think you're going to do very well through your 70s. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Probably your 80s and 90s too. <laughs> one day at a time that's what we'll keep something, something fun every day that's my my motto well when you come to chicago i want to see you too oh i think that'd be great gail yes absolutely <laughs> well um you know what shirley thinks is fun though is helping me declutter oh, I well i i could find that fun too Catherine. <laughs> yeah gail i think it's a, a i think it's a partnered effort and i even have some homework assignments for Catherine and preparation. <laughs> i will share them with you too <laughs> okay oh, and that and a good hard day of decluttering ends with a glass of wine oh mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> no doubt about it <laughs> shirley thank you so much for for talking with us it's been delightful we appreciate it well, I really appreciate the invitation and love working with you both. And we'll see you soon. <laughs> will do. And listeners, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Become an active participant in our community through our Facebook group. And no matter your age, participate in our monthly Zoom gatherings. You'll find everything you need to know about women over 70 at our community page on womenover70.com. See you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.